Welcome back to the Courtside Podcast. Today's episode, it won't be about things kind of happening right now in the NBA. I actually just saw the uh, NBA Paris game between the Chicago Bulls and the Detroit Pistons. Really great entertainment right there being played overseas. Kind of remind me of that first episode of The Last Dance where Michael Jordan and the Bulls went to win some sort of McDonald's award or whatever back in the 90s. Either way, this episode will be about things that are going to be happening in the near future. What I mean by that... All-Star voting fan votes, the third returns came out earlier today, so I'll be talking a little bit about that and exactly if, you know, there's a potential starting five that's already coming out or who might even just jump over there because we had a couple of guys that jumped spots in this All-Star voting for the third return, so listen to that real quick. We'll start off the podcast like that. And then, of course, the trade deadline for the NBA happening in three weeks. Never too late to talk about some trade scenarios right now. So I got a couple on my mind, and we'll be talking about that at the end of this podcast. So thank you for tuning in, and hope you guys enjoy Courtside. This episode of the Courtside Podcast is brought to you by YouTube channels Highway Temptation and Captain Barbo, who make content weekly on YouTube. Highway Temptation just recently did a Sonic Crusaders episode where they played the game and reviewed it and gave it the highest rating they've ever given any Sonic game on their channel. For Captain Barbo, him and Chris ended up doing a, another speed run of some Cuphead videos. They haven't been able to get on Cuphead for the last five months, and now they were able to get it back onto it. So, really great duo, Chris and Captain Barbo. And Chris being his friend that does the Cuphead series. And hopefully we see more videos of him, because they're definitely an entertaining bunch. So don't forget to subscribe to those channels on YouTube, and as well as follow the podcast. So for the All-Star voting, this is the third returns we got from fans for NBA All-Star voting for the game happening in Utah. We're going to go first to the Eastern Conference front court because we did see some surprises, I think, in the top 10. However, again, this is fan voting. You never know. The fans are just doing it just because of their fan base. But we're going to go from 10 to number 1. Number 10 from the Brooklyn Nets, Nick Claxton, followed with number 9, Julius Randle. Eight, Paulo Benanchero, the rookie of Orlando. Kyle Kuzma makes number seven. He's been having a phenomenal year in Washington, especially with Bradley Beal, who has been absent due to injury. He actually returned playing against the New York Knicks a few nights ago. Pascal Siakam, number six. Jimmy Butler, the Miami Heat, at number five. Joel Embiid, four. Jason Tatum, three. Kevin Durant, two. And number one in overall voting in the front court for the Eastern Conference, Giannis Antetokounmpo with more than close to 6 million votes so far in the third fan returns. Now, does this mean that the front court for the Eastern Conference is guaranteed? I believe it's just about that, right? Giannis is going to be a starter. Kevin Durant, I can't imagine him not becoming a starter. He was actually number one in the front court in the first fan returns from voting. And... The only question, Jason Tatum, Joel Embiid, they could flip Jason Tatum right now at 4,521,414 votes. Joel Embiid, 4,318,035 votes. So still kind of a close gap right there. You never know exactly if Jason Tatum could hold that spot until they do that starting five, which I'll announce later on on TNT, I believe, next week. But it looks to be that the guarantees right now for the front court of the Eastern Conference would be Giannis and Kevin Durant, which is probably the two best players right now in the Eastern Conference. Uh, mine is, of course, Jason Tatum, who's been playing on an MVP level the other day, I believe on Sunday. Again, Charlie had 50 points in that one. Kind of a game that was under the radar MLK day. 
my apologies, Monday, MLK Day was played on against Charlotte, and he dropped 50 in that one on a regular afternoon. So keep your eye out right now for Jason Tim and Joel Embiid probably fighting for that spot in the front court for the Eastern Conference to start for the NBA All-Star Weekend. And then for the guards, starting at 10 going to 1, Darius Garland of Cleveland is able to make the list here. Wasn't there in the last time voting. Number 9, Derrick Rose, who holds his spot. Tyrese Halliburton at number 8, and he's been having a phenomenal year for his first time with the Indiana Pacers. Lamento Ball, despite missing a lot of time due to injury, and actually got himself injured once again due to an ankle injury in Houston. He stands at number 7. DeMar DeRozan, the Chicago Bulls, who just played in Paris at number 6. Trey Young at number 5. Number 4? James Harden, who was originally at number three in the last fan returns, he actually drops down to number four, and in his place at number three, Jalen Brown, the Boston Celtics, with 2,097,700 fan votes so far. Top two, number two, Donovan Mitchell of Cleveland, and Kyrie Irving of the Brooklyn Nets. Ever since Kyrie Irving had that PR issue with his anti-Semitic remarks, and then, of course, you know, the whole spill with him going in agreeance with Kanye West. And then, I mean, just really, I, it's hard to even explain the entire situation itself. I, I mean, I, have my, I think I even had a, a podcast that was dedicated to that, I believe, in December. But either way, Kyrie Irving, since missing time on the court, has able to get back with Brooklyn. They're on a 10 winning streak, 10 game winning streak. Kyrie Irving has just been exploding right off from that suspension and has been looking phenomenal however there's some players i'm kind of surprised that are not part of this fan voting for the eastern conference it's definitely the first name that comes to mind is bam Adebayo. in his fifth year with the miami heat he is getting the best numbers he has ever received in any type of game any type of level any type of month Right now, this season, 21.5 points he's averaging with 10.1 rebounds per game. Averaging a double-double right now, and he's only been playing in 41 games this season. And plus, his minutes itself, he's playing just about 35 minutes a game. He's on the court almost every single night, and whenever they're playing against some primetime TV, he's always stepping up. Now, does that mean that he deserves it just because 21 points a game, double digits, I mean, who knows? Maybe the fans just don't pay attention to that. I mean, they even have Kyle Kuzma out there, number seven. Again, balling as he should be, especially with Bradley Beal's absence. But Bam Adebayo, not even on the list. And Nick Claxton's on the list. Claxton, huge part of the reason why the Nets as well are on that winning streak with Kyrie Irving. But despite his improvements compared to last season, is definitely not Bam Adebayo type of level where he should be on there for top 10 in all-star voting. So that's the front court and the guard situation there in the Eastern Conference. Also, before I leave that conversation, I do have to say as well, because again, these are just fan votes, but Jalen Brunson, in the third fan vote, he still is not on top 10 in votes, which I'm kind of confused about. 22.6 points per game, six assists per game, the man is doing better than anybody expected him to do. Whenever people talk about the offseason prior to this year, talking about the New York Knicks potentially getting Donovan Mitchell, potentially getting some big names into New York, 
and all they got was four years for Jalen Brunson and 104 million, a lot of people started laughing. This guy has been able to prove a lot of guys wrong and fast. In the span of only 43 games, he's able to average 22 to 23 points a game and is putting himself out there on the floor every single night for about 35 minutes. He's one of the best guards, if not one of the top five guards in the Eastern Conference. And for some reason, besides his numbers and what he is for that entire New York squad, he is not out there in the top 10 for overall Eastern Conference guards in fan voting. But besides that, Bam Adebayo, Jalen Brunson, still not on the top 10 list for forwards nor guards in the Eastern Conference fan voting. However, of course, the fan voting itself is mostly for that being of the starting lineup for the All-Star game. So you never know if they can even make it and squeak into the bench rolls. Now going off to the Western Conference, starting over the front court, going from 10 to 1, DeMontis Sabonis of Sacramento. And yes, Sacramento Sabonis is balling out. He's at number 10, right behind Kevon Looney of Golden State. And joining him as well from the Golden State team, Draymond Green at number 8. And this is something, I don't know if this is just the fan base of the Warriors are doing this, because there is no reason to have Draymond Green out there number 8. I'm sorry. Where are the Golden State Warriors right now in the league? 6 in the Western Conference. Just about at 500. And you think that's all because of Draymond Green of Looney? Let's just look at the stats one by one right here before we go any further and counting down all the way to number one in that front court position for the Western Conference All-Stars. Look at Draymond Green first. Draymond Green in his 10th year in the NBA is averaging just about eight points, seven rebounds. So it's still an impressive stat, not a double-double, but still much better than a lot of people in the NBA. But is it all-star level? And I just feel like this has been going on for the past few years where Draymond Green is just being able to sneak into the all-star game despite the fact he has numbers that I could probably see guys from the G League MVP category going to the NBA and probably mirror it, if not copy exactly the same stat, right? This is a guy in Draymond Green that has not played a full season of NBA basketball since the 2013-2014 season for Golden State. Don't get me wrong. He is averaging about 31 to 32 minutes a game so far playing in 40 games this year. It is an impressive stat. He's on the floor nonstop, but he's not putting up all-star numbers, though. If anything, this is like a, the numbers of Kemba Walker or whatever like that coming away after the Boston Celtics dealt with him. This isn't a guy that should be making not a start in the all-star game. I doubt they'll, they'll be able to push that in fan voting to make him start. But this is definitely not a guy that should even be on this list, though. Definitely not. And then Kevon Looney, right? 6.7 points per game, 8.4 rebounds a game in his seventh year in the NBA. I mean, what on earth are we voting for at this moment right now? And again, I understand it's fan voting. However, this is a guy who's only been in the NBA for seven years. He's only been able to play one full season of NBA basketball, which was last season in 2021-2022 season. His numbers have gradually improved, don't get me wrong, but he has yet to really get a season where he's averaging more than 10 points a game. He's yet to even get an average where he's making more than three shots a game in field goals made. Compared to a field goals attempts, he's averaging at least four shots attempted. Four shots 
in the All-Star game, I'll be more surprised if he even gets one shot off. From just looking at the numbers, looking at the play of Golden State, besides Stephen Curry, and maybe even can argue for Klay Thompson, I don't know. But you cannot make the argument that Draymond Green nor Looney should be there in fan votes. However they are. With Looney at 9, Draymond Green at 8. And then we're going to continue on. And this is one that I'm really excited about. The Utah Jazz, the home team for these All-Star game, Laurie Markadon is able to get onto fan voting with number seven. He's been balling out after the trade from the Don Mitchell trade, sending him from Cleveland all the way to the Utah Jazz. Everyone thought that Utah was going to be a tanking team, tank for Wemby. But no, Laurie Markkinen doing a phenomenal job right now in that. And again, I'm a huge critic about their jerseys. It's like a weird neon type of highlighter jersey. But either way, Markkinen is just phenomenal in it. It doesn't even matter about what the jersey looks like, what the court looks like. He's been balling out in neon in his fifth year. We look at the stats from right now, 24.8, just about 25 points per game and eight rebounds a game. He's getting close to nine rebounds a game as well. At seven foot, at 25 years old, he's been probably reaching his peak in NBA basketball. Who knows? I mean, if there's better games ahead of him because... Utah at the seventh spot Ryan now in the Western Conference that could easily make it into that top six for the playoffs. If not, would definitely be a hard team to face in the play-in tournament. And again, that's today's NBA that we have to deal with. But Laurie Markkinen, who has yet to play a full season of NBA basketball, has yet to even play 70 games in the NBA. Halfway, he's already getting more minutes he's ever had in his career this season. More points by double the... I mean, this is ridiculous. Hear this. The most points he's ever gotten in a season was his second year, his sophomore year in the NBA. He had 18.7 points per game average in 2018-2019. He has more points this season, right? Field goals made. He has more in that category this season. Field goals attempted, 16.1. The only thing close to that was his sophomore year again, 2018-2019. For a span of about four years, Markkinen was on a downward slope in Chicago. He was not given the minutes. He was not given the opportunity to really shine after that second year. And then he goes to Cleveland. He has huge improvements, in my opinion. Cleveland, a young core team last season, unable to get a playoff push as they were kind of, you know, struggling to finish off games at the end and had to be taken out of the postseason from the play-in tournament from being the number eight seed. So they were able... To move away marketing to Utah to get Donovan Mitchell. Now Cleveland's one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. Definitely something you got to see in April basketball. Maybe even May basketball or June basketball. Who knows? But Laurie Markin has definitely improved himself in Utah. And I have to say he's probably the main guy right now for the Jazz. Number six, Paul George of the Clippers. Andrew Wiggins at number five. Another guy that, despite having a phenomenal NBA Finals from last season, very questionable to see him at a top five position a year for the front court of the Western Conference and fan voting. Number four, Zion Williamson, a guy that definitely deserves to be in the All-Star voting and will most likely make the All-Star game. However, not as a starter, unless something happens injury-wise. Top three, at number three, Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis, whenever he's on the court, he's the best player for the Los Angeles Lakers. Definitely something where you have to focally 
see him every single night to really understand how good he is just because you barely even hear anything about him besides injuries. People would say that he's made out of glass. He's made out of, well, yeah, because he's getting beat down every single damn night. It's ridiculous. The guy is 253 pounds, but despite missing the games, he's averaging 27 points a game, 12 rebounds. He's, it's a double-double for Anthony Davis in a span of 25 games that he's been even healthy and active. The Lakers are asking a lot about him, but I'm telling you right now, if Anthony Davis played the full season, he might as well be the M- well, not the MVP, but at least a candidate for MVP, the way the Lakers season's looking like. The Lakers right now at 13 spot right now in the Western Conference with a 20 and 25 record. If Anthony Davis was playing the full year, they might be a top six team. No joke there. Even with the young core that they have, they would definitely be a team to watch. But Anthony Davis, for good reason, top three, and only depends exactly of how his injury is going to look like. Well, my apologies, not his injury, but his kind of health or whatnot. I don't know how to describe it, but... Let's just see what happens to Anthony Davis going to the All-Star break. Maybe Zion sneaks into the starting lineup, but I think Anthony Davis wins that over him. And the this is actually really funny, though. Nikola Jokic, the two-time MVP in the NBA for the Denver Nuggets, at number two in fan voting from the front court for the Western Conference. Number one, of course, being LeBron James. LeBron James, here's the crazy part, though. Above two million votes over Jokic. That's insane. That is insane. The two-time MVP in this NBA is below LeBron James by 2 million (laughs) votes. It's absolutely incredible. LeBron James leading all players in NBA voting so far with the third fan returns. He has 6,506,682 fan votes leading the way for the front court of the Western Conference fan voting. Now we go to the guards. The guards, this is, I don't know exactly what's wrong with people that watch the NBA. I don't know if they do this for a reason. I don't know. Again, I know it's fan voting, so it's not like it's like the AP writers. It's not like it's somebody that has, you know, watched every single game and has to write down every single pinpoint accuracy of detail of their games. But this is insane. At number 10, De'Aaron Fox, right? Great. De'Aaron Fox for Sacramento. The second king to make onto this list besides Sabonis. He is somebody that deserves to be there. Devin Booker, besides injury, he is also deserving to be there. At number 8 for the Los Angeles Lakers, Austin Reeves as at number 8 over Devin Booker and De'Aaron Fox. Why? Why would we do that? Austin Reeves, this is like a Zaza Petrulia situation where people just know the name and they just put in a name. This is ridiculous. Austin Reeves with 392,546 votes over Devin Booker and De'Aaron Fox at number eight. At number seven, Damian Lillard playing probably some of his best years of basketball right now in Portland at number seven. Guess who's above him? Number six, Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook, on his $47 million contract right now, that he was able to opt in for this season. He is leading Damian Lillard, who's giving you just about more than 25 points a game. Why? 
Why? Just why? This is it. This is insanity. Top five. Now we're breaking into it. Clay Thompson at five. Shai Gildas Alexander from OKC at number four. This is exactly what I like about the fan voting on a kind of weird downward spiral. When you see all these names get a little crazier and crazier, the top four always stay solid. They always stay solid. A solid name right there. Alexander at number four. OKC is literally a perfect location for him. They got a young core. I like what they're doing. And Shai Gildas Alexander is levitating his game over there. Now, next at number three, John Morant and the Memphis Grizzlies, the number two seed in the Western Conference, only half a game back from the Denver Nuggets. They've been pretty phenomenal, and a huge part has been John Morant and his high-flying antics. So he's posterizing everyone this season. At his first two years in the NBA, he would take these crazy attempts to dunk it in. He'll miss the actual dunk, but some raw, I mean, I don't even know how, but they still put it on posters. Like the Kevin Love one where he didn't finish the dunk. Why is that on a poster? I have no idea why. Either way, there's a reason why he's at number three. John Morant playing phenomenally for the Memphis Grizzlies. Now a number two, most likely going to be winning the MVP this season. Luka Doncic of the Dallas Mavericks. 4,905,655 fan votes for Doncic. The Dallas Mavericks would not be doing much without him. And a lot of their games are super fun just because it always goes down to the wire and it always has to deal with Luka with the ball. So he is at number two and number one in guards, Stephen Curry, who was missing a lot of time this season due to a shoulder injury, which he suffered that took him out for about a week. But he still is able to make it into the number one spot for fan voting for guards. And the third fan return, he has 5,151,822 fan votes. And that will be the entire list for the Western Conference fan votes for the guards there. And now I'm going to go into a little bit of prediction. As I mentioned before, you kind of look at the Eastern Conference. The top three in the front court will most likely stay. I mean, you never know with the Joel Embiid situation right now because Jason Tatum is only about 200,000 votes ahead of him. But the way that Jason Tatum is playing, especially just coming off a 50-point game, It'll be hard to argue to see Tatum hit the bench. Very hard to argue. But I think what happened with this, and again, I don't think there's like a center position anymore in the NBA, especially for All-Star, but we'll have Giannis Antetokounmpo, Kevin Durant, Jason Tatum making the forwards in the front court. For the guard position, now, Jalen Brown is more than a million votes away from Donovan Mitchell, and it would be pretty interesting to see two Boston Celtics starting in this NBA All-Star game, but I don't think it's going to happen at all. Donovan Mitchell has been phenomenal. He hit 71 earlier this year in probably one of the most insane games he had against the Chicago Bulls, and there's no doubt in my mind that's going to be sticking in everyone's mind when they're making the votes, as they already is right now. He's second right now in guards in the Eastern Conference. I think it's going to be Kyrie Irving Donovan Mitchell making the backcourt there, so Kyrie Irving, Donovan Mitchell, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Kevin Durant, and Jason Tatum, I think those will stick for the Eastern Conference starting five. Now, for the Western Conference, I do have a little, I don't know, man. I, I just really don't know because I love Anthony Davis. I think he definitely deserves to be in the All-Star game this season. No doubt in my mind. I pray that he's healthy. I'm pretty sure everyone in the NBA wishes that he's healthy because the NBA is better when the Lakers have Anthony Davis. I think AD Luka Doncic... 
my apologies, actually, Lucas and the guards, let me not even say that one just yet. Nikola Jokic, Anthony Davis, and what I would do in a controversy, though, I would move out LeBron James from the starting lineup, and I would put in Zion Williamson. And I know, greatest player of all time, LeBron James, he's less than 300 points away from breaking the NBA record of most points scored in a career, which was held right now by uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. But there's just something about Zion this year that is just different. And I don't know if it's just because of his health, but his sec- two years of experience in the NBA, he has 26 points, 7 rebounds. And this isn't a 26-point-something, nor a 7-point-something. He is easily making these numbers every single night. The kid out of Duke, it's insane. I'm looking right now at his season... 33 minutes a game, 26 points a game. Overall from the floor, he's shooting at a 61 clip. Three point, yeah, you you know, it's whatever, 36, 37%. But his aggression, the way he looks, he looks sleeker. He came into this offseason. He was offside during last season in Portland, away from the Pelicans organization, and getting himself ready, getting himself back into shape. He got away from all the jumbo shrimp and all that stuff that's over there in the Gulf Stream, and he was able to go up to Portland. I'm pretty sure they put him on a you know better diet, a better design plan to get him into shape for basketball the following season. And he looked better. He looked stronger, slimmer, sleek. And he's been playing like that. He goes under the basket. He's fast, quick step. It's something that the NBA All-Star Game needs because he's going to go out flying from the get-go. LeBron James, obviously, just for his name, deserves to be in the All-Star Game. But I don't know if this season he becomes a starter because Zion Williamson, I'd rather see that more in Utah this season. So from the front court for the Western Conference, I have Jokic, Anthony Davis, and Zion Williamson. Now for the guards. It's I'm, it's hard for me because I don't want to see Stephen Curry there starting just because of the season that John Morant, Luka Doncic had. But I really do believe, just because of fan voting and that Stephen Curry's going to be too far away from anybody, and again, probably one of the best guards we've ever seen in the NBA, Stephen Curry should probably start this one. Stephen Curry and Luka Doncic starting for the guard position for the Western Conference, making the starting line to be Curry, Doncic, Jokic, Davis, and Williamson for the Western Conference. Now for the trade rumors, I mean, there's a lot of them popping up around Atlanta. Atlanta is a team that I mentioned, and then also we have some trade rumors going around the Lakers as well as Indiana. And of course, those two actually connect as they were connecting way before the season even started, especially with Russell Westbrook and his contract of $47 million. But the Atlanta one, it's very, very interesting knowing that it's a name that I think a lot of people look at and has been looking at for the past few years. John Collins, the forward for the Atlanta Hawks. Right now, he has three years left in his five-year deal. I believe it was a $125 million contract. And the last of those years is a player option in like 2025-2026 with a cap of almost... 26.6 million. I don't know if Atlanta is going to be able to re-sign him around that time period, let alone 
if they're even going to be able to hold him still during that time. I mean, because DeJounte Murray's on that squad. Bogdan's on that squad. That's a team with a lot of young, really great skilled guys. And again, a really efficient, one of the most efficient starting fives in the NBA. But they don't have much of a bench. Not a lot of depth coming out from that Atlanta team. So is Collins on the move? A lot of people say that he is. Uh, Where would he go? I have no idea. I really don't have any idea about where he would really go. I would love to see him on a team that's looking to try to compete or just trying to be, you know, adding on more for the forward and the big position down low in the front court that would probably boost their chances in making the playoffs or let alone in the playoffs. And a few teams come to mind. I think number one, obviously, going to be the Miami Heat, who have only Bam and Abayo, which I mentioned before earlier in this podcast, who's having a phenomenal career year so far in his fifth season in the NBA he definitely needs help. I remember when the Miami Heat started this season, they had Martin. I think his name is Caleb Martin, one of the Martin brothers. Martin was starting at Power Forward. That's not a good sign if you're a Miami Heat team having to go up against Giannis Antetokounmpo and Brooke Lopez or having to go up against teams like the Boston Celtics who have Rob Williams and as well as Al Horford who are like a one-two punch coming on and off the bench sometimes for one another. It's not good, especially didn't even think about it at the time, but Philadelphia with Joel Embiid and Tobias Harris beating you down. I mean, that is something that you have to worry about deep into a playoff run. And Miami needs to get that power for position. I mean, they need to just get somebody in there, though. The Miami Heat have a really small lineup. A majority of them, really, besides Jimmy Butler, a lot of them just feel like they're guards out there. Max Struess, you feel like he's a guard. Duncan Robinson, you feel like he's a guard, despite these guys with their long wingspan and able to shoot the ball out of wings. And then Kyle Lowry, yeah, sure, kind of a big body, but I believe he's like, what, six one, six foot, something like that. And then you also have guys out there from Miami like High Smith and Orlando Robinson. Orlando Robinson has been actually pretty much a surprise out of the G League who ended up signing a contract with the Miami Heat during the Summer League. So it just... It's a position that the Miami Heat need to fill with an all-star or a pretty good star player caliber type of athlete in that position right there next to Bam Adebayo. Because you even had to start a couple of games with Udonis Haslam. And this is a Miami Heat team that has dealt with injuries throughout the entire season. If you get yourself John Collins in there, and again, Pat Riley, he's been able to make these crazy deals in the past where he's able to do sign-in trades. That's exactly how they got Jimmy Butler in Miami. They might do the same thing with John Collins. Another team that I will also look out for the John Collins sweepstake would probably be, I would have to say, going out to the Western Conference now. It just might be the Golden State Warriors. Kaminga's missing a couple of games right now. And again, as I mentioned before, Draymond Green, even though he's in the All-Star voting, he is going to get older and he's not really going to get better. So they might want to move on with that, get John Collins kind of a guarantee for the next two or so years to kind of push this championship needle ahead because, I mean, great team when healthy, but it's going to be hard right now with Denver at an all-time high and the Memphis Grizzlies with 11 straight wins. Who knows how they look like in April? So the Golden State Warriors might be a part of that. The New York Knicks could even be a part of that because they've always been some... For some reason, big markets have always been dealt with, you know, being involved in trade rumors or just in general, anything that revolves around the NBA. So the New York Knicks market and New York as a team right now battling with the Miami Heat for that 6-7 spot going back and forth. 
they can definitely push themselves if they help out Julius Randle down low. And Mitchell Robinson's phenomenal. He's incredible. However, besides quickly coming off of the bench, they don't really got a lot of bench help right now besides a bunch of young guys. Obi Toppin, you know, he's been missing a couple of games. So it'll be nice to see that. John Collins even go in a crazy, crazy situation. He could also go to the Washington Wizards. Now, I'm not too positive how financially that will work out. However, it'll be nice to see John Collins go over there. And I even think a one-and-one, one, maybe you put a trade for future draft pick in there. But Chris Porzingis and John Collins, you could probably make that happen somehow. So that's another situation where John Collins could be shipped out to a team. And of course, not a championship winning team or caliber team of this season, but can also be sent to the Washington Wizards or even New York. Now, the other one from the trades, as I mentioned before, the Lakers and Pacers, they're always, they're always connected. They're always going to be connected. And they've been connected ever since Russell Westbrook was signed on to Los Angeles. And Russell Westbrook, I mean, I think in the beginning of the season, right before the season started, he was considered a trade asset for the Indiana Pacers. And it makes sense why, though. Miles Turner, you can't really expect him to be on this Indiana team for long. The way that they dealt Sabonis to the Kings, just for Tyler Halliburton, you can't expect Turner to stay on this team for long. So I'm expecting around the trade deadline that he will be a piece that will be moved. If not, I mean, you know, he could still stick around with Indiana, but I'll be really, really doubtful that he stays for long there after this offseason. So Miles Turner could possibly be a part of that. And as I mentioned before, John Collins can also be involved with this. I was thinking about, because I saw this on Bleach Report the other day, and I was thinking about this trade. And it's actually a three-way trade. My apologies, a four-way trade, which involves not only the Lakers in Indiana, but as well as the Atlanta Hawks and the Detroit Pistons. In this situation, the Lakers would receive Miles Turner and Bogdan Bogdanovic, as well as Atlanta receiving Bajon Bogdanovic, and yes, same last names, Buddy Heald and Alec Burke. And specifically, Alec Burke coming from Detroit and Buddy Heald coming from Indiana. And Bogdan going from, I believe, in, uh, not Indiana, um, Atlanta. Detroit would receive John Collins, Jalen Johnson, and Max Christie. And that would be an interesting one, just because I think Christie has gotten a lot of minutes recently with the Lakers, and he's definitely developing his game. Another young guy that came out of development in the Summer League for the Los Angeles Lakers Summer League team there in Vegas. But Indiana, the Pacers, according to what this specific Bleacher Report trade scenario would be, Indiana would receive Westbrook, which would then be lightly bought out, Frank Comiskey, a 2027 first-round pick from Los Angeles, and a 2029 first-round pick from Los Angeles. Two first-round picks. Russell Westbrook, who most likely would get bought out because who knows if he even wants to stay in Indiana or even step foot in the state. But you have Frank the Tank, Frank Comiskey. It's not that bad. You have a future ahead of you. Halliburton, he's going to continue to develop his game and become into an all-star, I think, in the next three years. And yes, that's a guarantee. He will be an all-star in the next three years, Halliburton. And you have a future on top of that with two additional first-round picks in 2027 and 2029. So it's a situation for Indiana where they were winning that one. John Collins will be dealt with and out to Detroit. Unfortunately, not in a good scenario. 
unless they have Kate Cunningham for a full year and Jaden Ivey continues to do what he's doing now. And I mean, again, I saw the Paris game. Phenomenal, phenomenal game. Phenomenal game, even though the Detroit lost that one against Chicago. But that's kind of the other one that I was thinking about. And a situation where it would just be the Pacers and Lakers, because I still think that that's still alive. I think that those two general managers in both of those organizations are still talking to each other and have definitely not forgotten each other with the trade deadline coming up. I think a situation like this might happen, which would, of course, aid LeBron and the Los Angeles Lakers to get out of the 13th seed and at least try to push for that play-in tournament. The Lakers could receive Miles Turner and Bogdan Bogdanovic. Lakers lose and end up giving away to Indiana. Russell Westbrook, Max Christie, a 2027 first-round pick, and that 2029 first-round pick. And because, again, I read from that Bleacher Report one, I think that those two first-round picks, that is definitely something the Lakers will be able to give up because that's really the only thing they got to give up. They don't got a lot of first-round picks in the future right now after that Anthony Davis trade. And followed with Lonzo Ball giving up, Brandon Ingram giving up, Julius Randle giving up, D'Angelo Russell giving up. The Lakers, they don't got a lot of draft pick assets to give up. However, those two will probably be the most high priority for any team that's looking to do a trade with Los Angeles. And of course, this will be a trade that, again, as I mentioned before, will elevate the Los Angeles Lakers to at least a postseason team in the sense of a play-in tournament with Miles Turner added on. And Miles Turner and Anthony Davis, and again, this is Davis, he's playing healthy. He'll only play about 25 or so games. It's possible this can work. I think it works better than what's going on in Minnesota with Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns. And actually, before I go into our next segment, I do have to say, though, there was, I did see something on Twitter about Shams talking about D'Angelo Russell possibly being on the move. Like the Minnesota Timberwolves are trying to look around and shop around D'Angelo Russell in trade talks. That is very interesting to know that they're willing to move away from D'Angelo Russell after making this huge move for Rudy Gobert. Now, what would they really want for D'Lo? I'm not too positive because they're not going to get an all-star asset unless they add another guy in there. Maybe D'Lo straight up for two guys, huge role players off somebody's bench randomly, right? I can't even tell you a team right now, but D'Lo is possibly on the move, so look out for that as well in Minnesota. And I do have to say for the last segment for this podcast, because I just, right now I'm recording at, 10:44 p.m. on um on the 19th just saw and finished watching the Warriors Celtics game that that was a game that was a game to watch the Boston Celtics winning it in a close one by 3 121 to 118 in overtime Golden State Warriors have the second worst road record however they look like the home team for a long part of this game and as I mentioned before, in, early in the podcast, Draymond Green, 13 rebounds, 11 points. He's going to give you those type of like low numbers, but it does I really argue for him being an all-star? What I do have to say, though, I do apologize to Andrew Wiggins. Wiggins in this one playing nearly 40 minutes in this game, 20 points, a steal, three assists, four rebounds, and from three, three and eight, not too bad. But I saw him everywhere on the court. He was getting to the line. He was aggressive. Played great defense as always. I always forget. 
I always forget how good Andrew Wiggins is. And that game definitely reminded me about that. And speaking of which, Clay Thompson had 24 points, and he came off the bench, actually, in this game. DiVincenzo actually started for him. And funny enough, DiVincenzo started for him, only had six points. Almost played 28 minutes in this one. He had six points. I couldn't believe it. And one of his shots was like a crazy long three that went in. But besides that, he only made two threes in this entire game. So it was a really odd night to see from DiVincenzo and really from the bench of Golden State. Golden State's bench, and as I mentioned before with the list, Kevon Looney, who is in top 10 voting right now in the front court for the Western Conference, 20 minutes in this game, 12 rebounds, impressive, only two points. Was only able to get one shot off all day inside. He got out-rebounded by Robert Williams for the Boston Celtics. He ended up, actually, Robert Williams, 11 rebounds, 14 points. Not a too crazy stat, but then again, for his position and where he is right now in his career, that's pretty crucial in a game like this. Very crucial in a game like this, where the Boston Celtics went 121 to 118. And before I leave... I do have to tell you about Jason Tatum and his performance because his performance adds on to his MVP type of season. He played nearly 50 minutes in this one, 48 minutes and 7 seconds. He had a double-double with 34 points and 19 rebounds. That's right, 19 rebounds. In this game, he was able to get to his 19,000th career point. One of the youngest players to do it at his age. It, it, it's just insane. He comes up clutch at the end. He was horribly off the mark the entire way in the beginning of this game. Actually, funny enough, he doesn't even make more than 10 shots in the entire game, actually. A majority of his shots were actually from three as well as from the free throw line. 12 of his points actually came from the free throw line. But besides that, Tim was able to get it done with the Boston Celtics, able to push past it, and have currently the best record in the NBA. And with that, I'm going to end the podcast here. Thank you again for joining in to Courtside, and we'll see you guys on the next time. Have a good one.